titled Batteries Not Included. You ever bought something and you thought the batteries were in there only to open it up anxious to use it, but it had no batteries, right? How many of you felt a little upset about that? It's like now you got to go find batteries and then it always or it never fails that there's never batteries to be found, right? So you're robbing batteries from the remote control or from the kids' toys or whatever you need to rob them from so that you can use the new thing that you got. Well, today, batteries not included is the title of the message, and I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit today. As a church, we've been given the opportunity to reach this community. As a church, we've been given uh, open doors into this community to change it for the gospel, to change it with the gospel. If you're not satisfied with what's going on around you, it's because you have a newfound responsibility for it. We are responsible for this region that God has given us. Now, surely we can't reach the whole world all the time, but we can reach the region that we live in every day, right? And so as a believer, I am called the church. I personally am one member or one part of God's bigger family called the church. I'm a member of OSC. It's the congregation that I choose to hang out with and plant my roots with, but I'm, I'm really a bigger part of a bigger church called God's church. And so wherever I go, I bring God's church with me. I don't know if you realize that or not, but if you're headed to a platform or if you're headed to school or if you're headed to work at Walmart or you're headed to home to raise up those beautiful kids of yours, you are the church and you have a responsibility to change the world around you, every one of us. So wherever I go, I am the church. God expects me to change the atmosphere or the environment that I am in and not be changed by it. Right? That's why Jesus could go to the tax collector's house and not be affected. That's why Jesus could go uh, to any place that he wanted to go and not come out changed because of that environment. But that environment was always changed because of his presence there. Right? So, so even in your own house, men, as you walk in the door, the atmosphere, if it's not right, should get right real quick. And it's not because you've become a dictator or you've learned how to throw your authority around. It's because you walk in with a spirit-filled activation that says, I and my house will serve the Lord and me and my house will live right and me and my house will not succumb to this world, but we will change this world. Amen? And that's what we're called to do as the church is to affect the world around us. It doesn't matter where you go as long as you affect the world around you and you bring change. And so today I want to talk to you about being activated by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us some commands before he left and ascended into heaven. Uh, most of us think that Jesus's last words to us was to go. It actually wasn't to go. It was to go to Jerusalem and wait. Jesus's last words to us to the first church, to the believers was, wait. Now that may sound a little counterintuitive. There was a church that was supposed to be getting built. Jesus was ascending. He said the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you power to do all this, but you got to wait 
for him to come. It doesn't sound right, but that's what needed to happen because the reality is is the disciples could not build the church that Jesus had envisioned without the power to do so. You can't build what God wants with your own power. Look at your neighbor and say, I've been trying to tell you that. You can't build it with your own power. If you're going to do what God wants you to do, it's going to take Holy Spirit power. Period. Willpower is not enough. Positive thinking is not enough. Straining and meditating is not enough. Yoga is not enough to change your life. Amen? Acts chapter 1 says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus told them to wait because they couldn't do what they needed to do without the power. He was going to give them to do it. He said, wait until. He didn't give a date. He did say in not so many days, but he didn't give an exact date. He said, wait until the power or till the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will receive power to be a witness to me. And then he gives the locations. The disciples were to wait. At the time, there was 120 of them waiting in what the Bible calls an upper room, which just means it was a second story. (laughs) And they're waiting. And they're not sitting around complaining. The Bible says they were actually praying because they believed God and they had an anticipation and an expectation that this promise, this Holy Spirit, was going to come. So they were prayerfully waiting for God to show up, prayerfully waiting for the promise. You see, there's a difference between waiting and waiting with expectation. Sometimes you can wait and you can, dear God, hurry up. You can wait like that. That's waiting. But you can wait with some anticipation and wait with some expectation, right? You can prayerfully be waiting on God to do something in your life. That's why patience is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, not frustration. (laughs) All of your efforts, your gifts, your talents, your singing, your preaching means nothing if you're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just you. It's just you. By the way, the power of the Holy Spirit is not reserved for people with spiritual titles. It's not reserved just for pastors and evangelists and worship leaders. It is reserved for everyone who would call Jesus their Lord. It's who the power of the Holy Spirit is reserved for. That means it's reserved for every one of us that is born again and calls Jesus my Lord. That same power that any evangelist on TV or anybody that could walk in here and say he's raised the dead is on. That same power is available to you. This is why, because it takes the same power to reach Jerusalem as it does to reach Eunice. It takes just as much power to reach Eunice as it does to reach Mamu. It's a smaller city with bigger devils. Come on. (laughs) Same power. 
saying that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them indicates that they didn't currently have it. Think about this for a minute. I want to challenge some of your thinking. These were the disciples. These were the followers of Christ. These were the first Christians. And they find themselves, and we find them today in this story, sitting in a room waiting for something more. They walked with Jesus. They followed Jesus. They were his own disciples. But after Jesus ascended, they were still waiting for something more. You can be a Christian for 50 years and still not have the power you need to live that life out. They were waiting for something more. Remember, these were the guys and girls who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They saw the blind see. They saw the lame walk. They saw leprosy healed. They experienced all these things. Yet they were still waiting for something more. It's not enough to just be saved. Salvation is great. You're going to go to heaven one day. And you're going to spend eternity there. That's great. I applaud you on that. There is more though. And I came today to tell you there's more. Are you with me? There's more. And you might not have it. It's possible you could have walked in here today without the power you need to live the life that God's called you to live. And if you're being brutally honest with yourself today, most of us would probably say I've been doing a whole lot of this in my own strength, in my own skill set, in my own power. Jesus was saying, wait for power. Don't go without the power. You can't do it without the power. But this is what's messed up about the whole thing, is that the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad rap. Can I just be honest? The Holy Spirit's gotten a bad rap. From everything you can see on TV and listen to your friends say and see on, on Facebook or YouTube, the Holy Spirit's got, I mean, just the way people represent the Holy Spirit today has got people confused, got people thinking that the Holy Spirit's crazy, got even people cautious to even open their lives up to the Holy Spirit. Because let's just be brutally honest, some people don't want to fall out in the Spirit. Some people don't want to be slain. Some people don't want to, to run around the church. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit, does that mean I got to run around the church? I'm not running. Misrepresented. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit and I got to speak in Christianese, everywhere I go, I got to tell people I'm blessed and highly flavored. Come on, what, what, what's going to happen? The, the problem is that some of us are confused. And some of us are overly cautious about the Holy Spirit. Listen, I came from the, the wrong end to find out and discover who the Holy Spirit is. I came from the Baptist religion. I was born and raised Baptist. I was a youth pastor and taught from the Bible about the Holy Spirit one day and got called into the preacher's office. Uh, what, what is this you're saying about the Holy Spirit? I'm like, but it's in the Bible. Yeah, but you know, be cool with that. Okay. That's where I come from. I was scared. I was, I was talking to Pastor Bubba this morning, and he, it's one thing I love about Pastor Bubba. He's always looking for an opportunity to laugh. And he's, he's one of the craziest guys to cut up with. And so he's, he prays for me. We have this incredible prayer time. He goes, don't, don't you forget 
I remember when you were filled with the Holy Spirit. I wish we could have videoed that. I said, thank God there was no videos in those days. But I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit. When I finally got past my confusion and my caution, and I opened up myself to him. You see, if I were the devil, I would do everything I could to keep you confused, cautious, and scared of the Holy Spirit. I would go to, to all the degrees I could go to to keep you as far as I could away from the Holy Spirit. Because I know if I'm the devil, I know that if you get activated with the Holy Spirit and you receive his power, that I can no longer control your life. I lose authority in your life. I lose power in your life. And he, God has the power and it's God's power in your life. See, the devil can defeat your power, but he can't defeat God's power. Amen. He can overcome you, but he cannot overcome the Holy Spirit's power. The enemy knows the Holy Spirit is the game changer. He don't mind if you look like you got the Holy Spirit. Just as long as you ain't got him. You can dress up like you got the Holy Ghost and run around here like you got power and authority and lay hands on dead dogs and none of them ever rise up. But he don't care if you do that. As long as you don't really have it. In fact, he would want you to look like you got it, but yet not have it, because then you would be, become a, a fool or you would look fake to the rest of the world. Because you would look like you have power, but you don't. I think it's better to not look like you got power and just, boom, surprise people every now and then. Right? I was, I was newly married, and, uh, you know, we do some foolish things when we're first married and we're young men, Right? Just say yes. Come on, make me feel better. <clears throat> I, I did some crazy things when I was young. I, I thought, you know, uh, uh, my definition of what it was to be a man was a little bit skewed. Uh, I, I just got married, Cheryl and I, and, and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to stretch out my authority a little bit. I went to Lowe's and bought myself some tools. Because tools make you manly, right? Well, see, back in my days, if you had tools, you were a man. If you didn't have tools, we wondered about you. I went and bought myself a DeWalt kit. Power kit, 18 volts of power, the biggest, baddest DeWalt's they made in the day. I bought the whole combo kit. I was, I was stretching my authority. Didn't ask my wife, didn't talk to her. I just went in there and just bought it. We had a, we had a conversation afterwards. <clears throat> but I still had the tools. And I had 18 volt tools and they were powerful. And I've had them for almost 18 years now. And recently, the, the, the batteries don't work like they used to. They lose power. And I've come to learn that if you overcharge them and don't use them, they actually hurt themselves. But I, I had a discovery the other day that you can buy an adapter now that takes these brand-new lithium-powered batteries, and you can convert your old 18-volt drill into a 20-volt lithium power. And you plug that adapter in, and you plug that new battery in, and your drill takes off. That sucker smells like it's burning. I'm not lying. Me and Ethan was using it the other day. I was like, bro, what's burning? I think it's your drill, Dad. It's got too much power. So I just go, it's just burning the dust off because it hadn't been running like it should. But every one of us that walked in here today can tap into God's Holy Spirit power and we can leave here stronger than we came here. 
Amen. And it might burn a little dust off of you. But that's okay. That dust needs to go, right? The enemy is after what makes a difference in your life. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Luke was a follower of Jesus and he was a doctor, but he was also an author. And he wrote two of the books of the New Testament. He wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. And I want you to see how many times Luke mentions the Holy Spirit in these two books. In the book of Luke, he mentions the Holy Spirit 15 times. In the book of Acts, once the church is activated by the Holy Spirit, he mentions the Holy Spirit 56 times. That's nearly four times as, as, as often as he did in the book of Luke, he mentions the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So let me show you a little bit of a parallel here between Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke and the church and the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus' ministry begins by the Spirit descending upon him. In Acts chapter 2, the church is birthed by the Spirit descending upon them. In Luke 4, Jesus' first sermon was how the Spirit was upon him to set the captives free. In Acts chapter 2, Peter's first sermon was about the Spirit's power to set the captives free. In Luke 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit to face accusations. In Acts 4, the apostles are led to face accusers and respond by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke, Jesus gets sent out by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. In Acts, the Spirit is given to the church to be sent out to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit activated the first church. The first church never becomes what it is without the activation of the Holy Spirit. You getting it? Just as much as Jesus needed the Holy Spirit in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every one of us needs the Holy Spirit right now today. Right now today. Every day, all day. Every one of us. So the power of the Holy Spirit gives us a few things. Number one, he gives us hope for the hurting. He gives hope for the hurting. Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may God, the inspiration and foundation of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. Anybody want some uncontainable joy? The kind you can't put a lid on? Come on, you know when you, when you pick the wrong Tupperware to put your corn in and you, you can't close the lid, right? Uncontainable. We don't have them kind of leftovers at my house. Ethan lives with us, and I'm grateful. (laughs) Now we don't have leftovers. Let me find out where I'm at. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate, watch this, with hope. God wants you to radiate with hope. Maybelline's been trying to get you ladies to radiate for years. The Holy Spirit will get you radiating with hope. And you might could save money on mascara if you get a little more Holy Spirit. You're meddling, Pastor. That's okay. Wear your mascara. You see, the Holy Spirit, when he gets inside of us and he activates us, it gives us an anticipation 
It gives, it build, he builds inside of us an, an expectation. How many of you, though you don't need to raise your hand for this, but how many of you came to church this morning and you were a little bit grudging about coming to church? You don't have to raise, the, the, don't raise your hand, but I, I know, because sometimes I come to church that way. But you're the pastor. Yeah. You're the people. We all do, right? We didn't come with very much expectation. When's the last time you went somewhere and you just had this great expectation? It's great anticipation. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he activates you with his power, he builds in an anticipation and expectation for the future. We should never be afraid of tomorrow because we've got hope living in us. Amen? Acts chapter 7 says, when the Jewish leaders, this is a story about Stephen, it says, when the Jewish leaders heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Listen to how he says it. Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now that sounds pretty cool. But let me tell you where he was. Stephen was in a pit in this moment. When he made this statement, he's standing in a pit being stoned to death. He's at the end of his life. Oh, come on. When people come against you, is that what comes out of you? When people are throwing their stones at you, is that what comes out of us? Stephen, the Bible says, full of the Holy Spirit. He looks into heaven and he just begins to testify. Look, as if they could all see it. <laughs> Look, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. And they're hurling their stones at him. You see, when you get power from the Holy Spirit, it's power to not be flaky. It's power to be bold. God wants you to be bold. What, what do you need to be bold about? You need to be bold in telling every living, breathing person that comes into your path about Jesus and what he's done in your life. Boldness to testify of God's goodness. Stephen is standing there being stoned telling them what he's seen, being a witness of what he's looking at. You see, what you got to understand today is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you boldness to be a witness, it's for a purpose. You see, when you tell your story to people, you never know what's going to happen to them. Some of you won't share your story because you think your story don't mean anything. Some of you won't share your story because you think you're, because you're embarrassed by your story. Can I tell you to push the embarrassment out the way and share your story with people? Because when you do, then you'll see the power of your story work in somebody else's life. Do you know when you open your mouth and you start to tell people about Jesus that you'll never know what's on the other side of that until you do it? You see, Stephen stands up and says, look, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, everywhere else in the Old Testament, it says that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God. This is the only place it says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. 
This was such a powerful testimony that Jesus stood up to see it. You want to know why? Because there was a young man standing off to the side. You never know who's listening. A young man standing there watching. And his name was Saul at the time. But it would shortly become Paul. The greatest missionary to ever walk the planet. Wrote most of the New Testament. Built most of the churches and planted most of the churches that we read about in the Bible. Saul was standing there watching Stephen. He was giving approval for Stephen to be stoned. But at the same time, Stephen's witnessing because he's got this power of the Holy Spirit giving him boldness to say what he's seeing. And little Paul, little Saul standing right there listening. And he would one day become Paul, the great apostle. Don't let the devil or your fear keep your mouth closed. You always have something to say to bring God glory. I shared in the first service, I've got a friend in, in South Africa. His name is Pierre, and he, he pastors the church there now, but he used to be an engineer in, in, I think it was diamond mines or gold mines. I can't remember, but he was an engineer, and he was always around a bunch of smart people, but he was a spirit-filled man of God, and, and all of a sudden one day he started getting these like crazy migraines. They would just pop up on him like in no time. We were going to a restaurant one time, and he just gets this, it's like almost a debilitating type of migraine. In fact, Greg was sharing with me, he gets those every now and then, and, and I, it reminded me of Pierre's story. And Pierre learned one day, he had this migraine, and he was in a place he couldn't leave, that he just started sharing his testimony. He just felt in his spirit he needed to just tell his story. And so he started telling his story, giving testimony and witness to God. And he said, in the middle of it, he didn't even realize it, but the headaches would go away. He said, so every time I got a headache, I would testify, and they would go away. And we were sitting in a restaurant one day. I'm waiting on a steak, and he gets this headache, and I'm sitting there praying, Lord, I don't want to leave this steak. This is a South African steak. I've never had a South African steak before, Lord. I'll heal Pierre's head so I can eat my steak. And Pierre sits down and he starts, it's just me, him, and his wife. And he's looking at me just sharing what God's done in his life. And the headache goes away. You see, you never know the power of your testimony until you testify. The Holy Spirit was given to us to give us power to tell people about Jesus. Not to run around the church like a chicken with your head cut off. Come on. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You feel liberated to run, run. Praise God for that. But that's not what the Holy Spirit was given to us for. He was given to be a power to witness. Which leads me to my second point. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. And he gives boldness to the timid. Boldness for the timid. How many of you say, I get a little timid when I get an opportunity to tell people about Jesus? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 but the holy but when you receive but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere watch 
he gives some locations in Jerusalem, which is where they were, in Judea, which was not too far away, in Samaria, which was a little further away, and then to the ends of the earth. Now, you've got to catch this quick little lesson in the middle of all this, is that your responsibility when you're filled with God's Holy Spirit power is to be a witness in the closest proximity to you. That's called your house. It's a shame to act like Jesus when you're away from home, but act like the devil when you're at home. Come on, too many Christians have a behind-closed-doors life. You need to be who you are all the time. Your first responsibility is your household. You need to lead your family with the power of the Holy Spirit, not with the power of your flesh or the power of your own wisdom or the power of your own skills, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you go out from there. God will never ask you to leave your family behind to go and reach somebody else's family. He wants you to bring your family with you. Amen? Boldness for the timid. We see in Acts chapter 2 that Peter stands up and just starts preaching. I mean, he just goes for it. It's like Peter just... (laughs) I mean, like, what happened to petrified Peter? I mean, he was all used to, used to always be like, you know, he'll open his mouth to Jesus, but he would never stand in front of a crowd. In fact, the last time we hear about Peter, he's denying that he even knows Jesus, right? This time we hear about Peter, he's been activated by the Holy Spirit, and he stands up and preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved. Wow. When was the last time you shared your story with someone? When was the last time you walked out of your house with some intentions to share your story, to give testimony to God, to tell somebody about the goodness of God? I was working at a house this week, Friday, and it was right across the street from the school, and I saw the janitor, and I really wanted to use their dumpster. I would normally not ask for permission, but today I felt like asking for permission. <laughs> and I walked over and I said, hey, man. I said, good. I said, good morning. How you doing? He said, good. I said, uh, man, you mind if I use your dumpster to throw some of this stuff away? I said, if it gets rained on, it's going to get nasty. And he said, oh, man, I can't give you permission, but you know, once the teachers leave, you can do what you got to do. <laughs> I said, okay. And he looks at me and goes, God's good, right? I went, yeah, God's good all the time, brother. I said, I can speak Christianese if I have to. <laughs> all the time. This guy starts telling me his story. I was asking to use the dumpster. He, start gives, he starts to give me encouragement. He helped me that day. He talked to me. He showed me his heart for the poor little kids in the school that their shoes are about to fall apart. I was just asking for the dumpster. But he had the boldness to be a witness. Come on, when's the last time you set out from your house with some intentions to tell somebody about Jesus? There was a guy I used to read about. His name was Dawson Trotman. Dawson Trotman made a commitment to himself and to the Lord that he would not go to bed every night until he told somebody about Jesus very directly. 
And he shares a story of how one night he had been busy. He was a disciple maker. He was busy making disciples and all this. And he was going to bed and he remembered he did not tell somebody new about Jesus. And he got up out of his bed, went down to the 24-hour convenience store, and he found somebody standing there and he told them about Jesus. That's intentionality. That's boldness. When you leave your house, you're going into your mission field. Amen? Acts chapter 4 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Notice the little bitty word, all. At this moment, there was 120 disciples in this room. The Bible says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All. He didn't say some. He didn't say most. He didn't say a few. He didn't say half, three quarters. He said all. That tells me something because that's a very important word. That tells me that all of us today can be filled with the power of God's Holy Spirit. All. Which means this. You cannot use the excuse that the enemy is trying to give you right now to not receive the power of the Holy Spirit today. Because it's intended for every one of us. You see, when the Holy Spirit fills your life, he fills it for a purpose. He fills your life and empowers you to be on mission. When the Holy Spirit fills you with his power, it's to be a witness. Come on. It's not just to make you feel good or make you feel encouraged, though that's the repercussions of it. That wasn't his intentions. His intentions were to fill you with power to be a witness. So if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, then you better be ready to use the power of the Holy Spirit to tell people about Jesus because something's going to rise up inside of you. (laughs) Number three. His power gives help for the weak. He gives help for the weak. How many of you say, I've got people problems? Don't raise your hand. How many of you say, I've got a temper? Maybe I've got some addictions. Look at the person next to you tell them, you need help. You can tell them they need help too. Because you see, we can't live this Christian life in our own strength. We all need help. Romans 8.26 says the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. There's this incredible thing that happens in Christianity. It's when I finally get weak, God gets strong. The Bible says that in my weakness, he's made strong. Sometimes we can't discover his strength because we're too busy trying to use our own strength. Maybe we need to just retire from trying to run our lives and let God run our lives like he wants to. Maybe it's time to let him do his job. Maybe it's time for that. Maybe it's time for us 
that in our weakness we can discover that God is made strong. You see, when I used to work out, you would get to this part or this point called burnout, where you would be, if you were bench pressing, you're bench pressing, and you get to a point where you're, if you're really trying to get stronger, you push yourself till you can't go no more. And if you're smart, you have a spotter. That's somebody that gets you out of trouble. <laughs> Every person needs a spotter. <laughs> when you get to where your arms are shaking and you can't go no more, the spotter grabs the bar. And then what happens is, is when you're too weak, he grabs it. He does all the lifting. The Holy Spirit is your spotter. He's doing the heavy lifting. Without the Holy Spirit, it is just you trying to help you. So who's going to give you power to change? You? Who's going to give you power to break addictions? You? Who's going to give you the power to honor God with your body? You? Who's going to give you the power to live in freedom? Are you? What you're going to do is we're going to, we're going to try to fight harder, do more, go to church more often, but here's the truth. The Bible is not a story of me helping myself. The Bible is a story of God's power helping me. Amen? And the truth is, is if you could have beat this thing that you're facing on your own, you would have beat it already. Hello to anybody who's ever been addicted to something. You can't beat addiction on your own. You can't beat addiction on your own. That's you trying to help you. It takes Holy Spirit power to beat that. So do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Bruh, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. You need the Holy Spirit to go to McDonald's. You need the Holy Spirit to stay married. You need the Holy Spirit to raise them kids. You need the Holy Spirit to keep them kids alive. You need the Holy Spirit to do anything in your life. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit every day, all day. That's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit every single day. Here's the most important part of this message. Because some of us in this room need to access the power that we don't have right now. Ephesians 5.18 sums it up like this. It simply says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice back in the very first verse I shared, the Bible, Jesus, when he was telling the disciples to go and wait, he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we baptize people with water, and we're going to do that in a couple of weeks, we take the, the pool right there and we slide it over here, fill it full of um, very nice warm water, and, and, and we invite you to come and you, you climb into the pool with usually two grown men, and they take you and they fully immerse you or submerse you into the water. Now, just to let you know, sometimes we get requests from parents to say, hold them in there a little longer. <laughs> I got one buddy, I'm not saying his name because he's sitting in here. He says, hold them till the sin bubbles come out. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. But you ought to see what's left over in the baptism when it's done. Anybody want to volunteer to clean it? I didn't think so. 
But what happens when you're water baptized is you're fully immersed in the water. And when they come out, typically this whole carpet area right here gets wet. Because when the person is baptized, they're fully submerged in the water. And when they come out, they're drip, dripping, they're drenched, they're soaking. And they, they do this and they climb out. Water goes, nobody sits right here. Water goes everywhere. Why? Because they've been baptized, right? That's the picture of being water baptized. Jesus says being baptized with the Holy Spirit is the same thing. He, he uses the baptism of water to describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be fully submerged or, sub, or immersed in the Holy Spirit. So that when you come out, you're dripping, you're drenched, you're overflowing, come on somebody, with the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you got more than enough. We got to give people towels when they're water baptized to, to, to get all that under control. But there's a, a wet spot that goes all the way to the bathrooms. That's what it's like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes our theology and the way we were raised says that I got the Holy Spirit when I was saved. And you did. You did. You got the Holy Spirit living inside of you when you were saved, when you were born again. But you still need more. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need a redunk. You know why? You need a refill? Because we leak. And then, and then if you start to use this power that God's given you, you need some new power. You need to recharge. You need a refilling. Amen? I used to think, well, you're once and done. No, I ran on empty quick. I was like, man, what do I do now? Get refilled. It's like going to a, a fast food restaurant for lunch and you've been working in the heat all day. And you, you want to eat something, but you really want something to drink, right? Anybody like me? You get your drink and you go straight to the fountain, couple cubes of ice, fill it up, and what? I don't care who's behind me. And I know some of y'all hate those people. I am that person. Because it ain't going to take long. You need some patience anyway. And refill. And if it's a hot day, and I'll get full on some Dr. Pepper before I even get my sandwich, right? Why? Because I'm thirsty. There's three things we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, we need a cup. Number two, we need a fountain. And number three, we need room in the cup. I'm the cup. You're the cup. You're the container. Jesus is the fountain. When I come to Jesus and I've got room in my cup, he fills me up. So what would keep my cup full of stuff it don't need to be full of? Sin will. The confession of sin is super powerful. Clean your heart out. Empty your cup out. And he'll fill you fresh and new. The Bible says confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. It says to confess your sins to Jesus and he'll forgive you and then cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That, I become an emptier cup, right? Which means now I can contain more of him, right? You see, I get to choose what's in the cup. I don't get to choose many things, but I get to choose what's in the cup. Jesus is the fountain. It's all you can drink, baby. 
It's all you can drink. Go to the fountain. If you got to go every day, go every day. Right? Go to the fountain and refill. As a Christian, I can choose to live on empty or I can choose to live full. It's my choice. It's my choice. This is what I've learned. If I'm starting to give, get thirsty, go drink. I don't need to ask permission to drink. I've got access to the fountain. Anytime, any place, any moment, I can go and fill up. We're the cup. Jesus is the fountain. He's the one that does the filling. Is that clear? Does that help? Anybody thirsty today? Anybody need a refill? Refill. 